One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, I think it's safe to say that day eight of Roland Garros has delivered a proper day of Grand Slam tennis. We've had just electric moments, brilliant tennis, breakout stars, comebacks. It It's had everything, including a massive controversy. And I think, David, Matt, the controversy is probably where we're going to have to start the podcast, despite the fact that all those other wonderful things have happened. Yeah, it's it's a shame, really, but that's the nature of it. It feels like such a big deal, really. Um, and it's, it's Alexander Zverev and Yannick Sinner's match that we're, we're talking about. But, I mean, yeah, there's so much to get into today, but we've got time. Let's start there. What happened? <laughs> right then. Well, the nuts and bolts of it is that Alexander Zverev lost to 19-year-old Yannick Sinner, 6-3, 6-3. Came back on the third set, but then uh, lost out in four, six, three in the fourth. He hit only six winners in two sets. To be honest, at, at that stage, when he sees sets to love down, even though he had called the doctor out midway through the first set, he'd received some nasal drops. I, I honestly didn't think there was anything wrong with him. There was never really a stage in the match where I was questioning Zverev's fitness. Yes, he was, you know, two metres behind the baseline for most of the match, thrashing around, dropping balls short, shots with no bite on them. But, you know, plus a change for, for Alexander Zverev and he just came up against a, a really, really good opponent today. But then he he came into to press after the match and kept his face mask on during the press conference, which isn't a requirement. Um and actually, before he was asked about that, he volunteered the following words. He said, I'm completely sick. I can't really breathe. I have fever as well. I'm not in the best physical state. I warmed up and I probably shouldn't have played, but I was maybe hoping for a three-set win. Um, when pressed, he said he had a 38-degree fever yesterday evening and he's been feeling this way since his previous match a couple of days ago against Marco Cecchinato. Um, he was pressed uh, during that press conference by Ben Rothenberg on when he was last tested for COVID and he refused to answer the question because of who was asking it. He said, there's absolutely no way I'm answering your questions after what you've been writing about me in the last few months. Um, Yannick Sinner was um, asked, uh, Yannick Sinner came to press after Zverev, so so had all this put to him. He was asked whether whether he was aware of it all. He said he wasn't aware. He, he said, it's a really subtle bit of shade. He said, oh, I didn't think he played that bad. <laughs> um, and, and he wishes him well, he said. We had a, a follow-up statement after that from the FFT, the French Federation of Tennis. They said, Zverev is up to date on his tests, which have all been negative. His last test was on September 29th, with results received on September 30th. Today, he received a reminder for his next test to be carried out within five days of the previous results. He did not consult the tournament doctors before his match. So it had been five days since Zverev's last test was taken on September the 29th. Um, from Russell Fuller on, on Twitter, he's clarified the health and safety protocols which call for, quote, a sense of duty and responsibility 
um, that those are the Roland Garros health, health, health and safety protocols. And they say that anyone showing symptoms, including fever and breathing difficulties, quote, must adopt a responsible attitude and not attend the stadium. Um, that's how things stand at the moment. We haven't received any confirmation of whether Zverev has taken a COVID test, whether he's in self-isolation, whether contact tracing is underway. Um, I know there's a lot to unpack with all of this, but my one overriding thought with all of it is that's kind of a footnote to the whole thing. It really, I, I hope he does test negative, but but that's not, that doesn't have any significant impact on the story. If he if he tests negative now, he's got extremely lucky and everybody that's had any contact with him has got extremely lucky. You experience any symptoms, let alone symptoms like he's describing, and you self-isolate. You have a social and professional responsibility to self-isolate. And you, you also are privileged to have access to on-demand testing in a way that a lot of people the world over aren't. So I find it very disappointing and quite distressing, really, that that sort of six months into this damn thing and people aren't getting it. Certainly Alexander Zverev isn't getting it. And it's not the first time, is it? Because he's the man who went to the Adrid tour and returned home um, posted a statement saying that uh, that he would be self-isolating even though he tested negative and that he would um, he would be following the protocols and then was shown in a bar a, sh- a few short days later with lots and lots of people that was actually a video i think that uh, that ben posted which i think that and and various other things that ben has tweeted about Alexander Zverev's behaviour are part of the reasons why Zverev decided he wasn't going to answer his question, which was the first question I would have wanted to ask as well. I wish I was in the press conference, to be on, to be honest, next up, to have put that question also to him. Uh, I wasn't. I was out, I, I've come home for the weekend, so I'm, I was out with my kids at the time. I, I mean, Playing I saw tennis, some of no less. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not sure what I was doing counts as tennis, but there we are. Um, but I, I, I watched parts of the match, and, and to be honest, I missed the medical treatment that he had because I was, I was watching it on the move. And I, I had the same sort of view as you had, Catherine. He looked like he was playing uh, passive tennis, being bullied by a, a guy who was just prepared to go for it in the way that Yannick Sinner goes for it. And Yannick Sinner was fantastic and, and Zverev was disappointing, relatively speaking. Then we had the press comments, but I was, I was absolutely jaw on the floor when I read those quotes, that he, he was just fronting up an open, totally open about the fact that he'd got these symptoms and then he, it, it seemingly hadn't occurred to him at all that he should not have been playing that match or that he shouldn't be in contact with anybody because it might be the coronavirus that everybody talks about every single day for six months. I just don't understand how that that two and two doesn't get put together in, in his head because I often think he seems quite intelligent on some levels and then and then he does that. I just don't get it. And okay, so then the question is: Is that the fault of if if players can't be relied upon to be putting two and two together? Is it the fault of the federation and the tournament and the protocols for not reminding them enough or not, you know, impressing it it, it upon them enough? I come down on the personal responsibility side of things. I'm playing devil's advocate here, but but. you know should players be having their temperature taken before they enter site all of that kind of thing you know temperature monitoring is standardized in every workplace here it's not you know compared to the cost of other things that are being put in other measures put into place that's you know relative relatively insignificant yeah i mean i'm having my temperature taken every time i go into the bbc studios at the moment um and I'm, i'm sure that that is replicated as you say um i don't know whether they do that uh that seems like just an obvious very easy thing to be doing um so absolutely uh, i even i do think personal responses responsibility should be taken no question but 
I just, how, how we're in this position, I, I, I just don't get. Russell Fuller was saying that in New York, the players had to take a temperature test before they got on the bus to go to the site every single day. So that kind of goes back to what we were talking about the other day with those with the slight difference in measures at the French Open compared to the US Open, where if they're not having their temperature tested every day when they're going to the site, which we don't believe they are at the French Open, that seems more lax compared to what they were doing at the US Open. And I do think the I do think the tournament does have some responsibility. I, you know, we've seen the way tennis players behaved or some certain tennis players behaved in the months before the tours came back you know this was a conversation we were having that kind of weighing up of personal responsibility versus tournaments responsibility I think if they're holding their tournament during a pandemic the tournament has a duty to have measures and reminders in place but ultimately I agree with you it, it, it falls on the player and I I cannot believe we are in this situation, I, I remember this exact situation happening in when was it? End of June, July, with the Adria Tour when Chorich went onto court with symptoms, and then Tiafo played an exhibition and went onto court with symptoms. And everyone was saying back then, "Why are tennis players going onto court with symptoms of COVID nineteen?" And now we're at an official tournament, and it is happening again. And I, I cannot believe that Zverev, who as you said, felt ill after his match against Cecchinato, had a whole day to seek some kind of medical advice or a doctor, and he didn't do it. I mean, that is that is staggering levels of negligence, isn't it? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I, I find Yannick Sinner's comments particularly interesting. Now, OK, he hadn't had that much time to react, but he has just reached his first ever Grand Slam quarterfinal. If... Alexander Zverev has tested positive. He will be contact traced, of course, and will have to be tested. You know, fingers crossed he would then come back negative. But that would be an anxious time. There, there, there would be a significant risk of transmission, them having had contact with the same sweaty tennis balls and been in close proximity. You know, if Zverev tests positive there is a not insignificant chance that, that Sinner would end up having to withdraw from this tournament ahead of his first ever Grand Slam quarterfinal. And that made me think, is this just a young person thing? <laughs> Do they just not get it? You, you're, you're, and I, I don't want to group them together because Sinner's shown no signs of negligence himself. But in terms of the the scale of the implications of, of COVID-19 negative tests, he didn't seem to have a grip on that from from what I heard in his press conference. You're the closest thing we've got to a young person, Matt. Um, <laughs> is this a young person thing? Is this what, I mean, I don't think I'm that out. I'd like to think I'm not that out of touch. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm closer to their age than I are to, than I am to my parents' age, who are obviously taking the utmost precautions, but I, I cannot, relate at all to their state of mind with regards to all of this it is yeah is this a young person thing well it's certainly not the attitude or approach I have um and I, I don't know I feel like it's a bit unfair to tarnish all young people with this brush kind of like it probably is unfair of me to tarnish all tennis players with this brush but I think it could equally be a tennis player thing as it is a young person thing I think there's, there's so many factors involved in this. I do think that I've been really concerned by all tennis players saying, oh, well, I'm negative, as though mm. that means they're absolutely fine. I'm not sure that message has been properly enforced, that just because you're negative doesn't mean that you can go about your daily activity as you would pre-COVID. You still have to take precautions. And that line that a lot of players have trotted out has really concerned me. And I, I think that that's a tennis player thing um I don't know I mean I'm 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 really perplexed by it and I I don't think it's just the young person thing but it, yeah it's possibly a factor because because they're not as at risk themselves and tennis players we know by definition are kind of quite selfish and mm. I think I think that is perhaps part of the problem as well but 
that also feels a little bit unfair to group everyone together. Yeah. No, I mean, that's my instinct. I'm just trying to, I just can't get mm. my head around it. It just boggles my mind. I is Is it that these, is it about players now having so little personal responsibility? They all have these entourages. Every decision in their life is delegated to somebody. You know, what, what that you know the the absolute elite players down to down to what food they eat their string tension all of that is it is is it that well if nobody's telling me I can't play I'm obviously going to going to play I'm 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 not going to intervene in anything to to make an active decision because I'm not used to to doing that I, th- I think that there definitely is a danger with entourages of that being the case. I think that that definitely exacerbates and amplifies th- the situation and the number of people that may well behave like that, yes. But I, I I do think you you can't take away, and I know you're not trying to, but you can't take away any individual responsibility here, regardless of who you've got around you. Because as Matt says, there, there are loads of players. I mean – we're going to talk about Iga, Iga Svantec in a little while. She's nineteen. She's a young person. I mean, I, I, I don't want to even consider her in that group. You know, no. Uh, and I, I know you. I know you're not saying that. I know. I know you. I know you're not. I know you're not. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's me. It's merely just. I, I don't. I, I, I look at the Adria tour, and there were plenty of people behaving like that who who should know better. Age what? Who are who are definitely not. In an in an age group that you would say is is young, um, so yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm sure numbers to, numbers wise, yes, yes, it is more. The, it's more young people, and it's it's more tennis players with their privileged, pampered lifestyles. Relatively speaking, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It, it, even if it, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be an acceptable excuse either way. I'm genuinely just trying to understand because I. I cannot wrap my head. You know, I, I, if I wake up and I've accidentally left my fan on and my, my mouth is a bit dry when I wake up, I, <laughs> I basically self-isolate in my bedroom <laughs> until, until I'm sort of reassured that I, I, I am overreacting and don't have uh, the coronavirus. I just can't. Yeah. It, it boggles my mind and it's so, so disappointing um yeah and we, i assume he's having a test i assume there'll be further news but we haven't we haven't heard that officially um and we certainly haven't heard that he's now self isolating which is what i'd be wanting to to hear and certainly if i were doing his pr i'd be putting out that statement immediately um but Yannick Sinner was very very good today and an extremely worthy winner. Okay, he he. You could maybe say he had a bit of a, a wobble to to lose the third set, but pulled himself back together very well. And generally speaking, over the course of those four sets, was was so calm and lev- level headed, given the the gravity of that achievement for him. He now plays Rafael Nadal, who beat Sebastian Gorda today six one six one six two. Was that win for Nadal every bit as glorious as the scoreline made it look? Yes, I would say so. I think Corda Corda was up a break in that third set. That was the one moment where he kind of rattled Nadal and managed to take charge of the baseline rallies and put Nadal under a little bit of pressure. But Nadal quickly broke back and got that set back on track. Um, I thought it was, again, a, a kind of another step up from his previous performances. It was incredibly, incredibly windy while he was playing that match and the roof was open so that the elements were exposed and that certainly favoured Nadal with his heavy spin and his and his strong record in the in the wind, whereas Corder's got much flatter hits, less margin for error, and it just, it just favoured Nadal uh, so much. Um so I think, you know, looking at Nadal's tournament as a as a whole now, the scores are very similar to what we're used to seeing from Rafael Nadal at the French Open. You know, I don't, I don't think he's dropped more than four games in a set. He's had quite a lot of 6-1 sets. And, um, you know, he, he has had a favourable draw, a kind draw. I'm not sure he's had anyone 
who you would really expect to beat him in any conditions or circumstances. But he is very much on the right track and we'll obviously get to Dominic team later. But if we're kind of power ranking the three top guys, I think based on this first week, Nadal is right there alongside Novak Djokovic, just ahead of Dominic team, both of them at the moment. The uh, the sun was out for, for a lot of that match. I know it was still, you know, Arctic, um, but do you think that made any kind of difference to the conditions? Did, did, they, did it make them any more Nadal-like? Or maybe it was just a, a psychosomatic thing mm. with, with his game. Seeing the sun gives that more zip, zip on the ball. I don't know. Maybe it just looked more, looked yeah. more right. I, I don't think I, I barely saw a point of that, partly because it, it didn't fall when I was able to watch a lot of the tennis. And I, I did watch quite a lot today, but also it happened to be falling at the same time as I think the Sinners Vera match, which which I was just totally engrossed in. Um, and yeah, and it was so quick. I mean, it was five love after a, a handful of minutes. I mean, I imagine the occasion was probably a bit much for quarter as well uh, overall but 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 I th- I'm sure that if I'd have seen it and seen the sun come out that would have immediately come into my mind it just feels like Nadal's place mm. again it was and a very I, comforting sight actually I bet you it would have done him a lot of good mm. mentally just to have that feeling a little bit that visual you know and I think you know so Nadal Sinner is now obviously the quarterfinal as you said and Sinner feels like the first player who has the weapons, the necessary weapons to trouble Nadal a little bit. I would be surprised if he's able to sustain it over five sets against Nadal, but I'm interested to see how that match goes. Like you, I was impressed with Sinner's temperament down the stretch in that match. I watched him the other week in Rome try and serve out uh, Sitsipas in straight sets, and he had a massive lead in the second set and lost it and got really tight and started missing by big big margins and it that didn't happen against Zverev today he got a little bit tight in that third set as you said but he really regrouped in that fourth set and that's one of the best things about him I think he's got this he's got this incredible game these incredibly smooth shots and real power but his his temperament on the court is also very impressive and I think it's what it's what makes him seem older and more mature than his 19 I don't I don't expect him to have a big lull or a big lapse in a match, even though he's got this quite bold and and um, aggressive game. I kind of expect him to be able to keep it together. So um, mm. it'll be it'll be very interesting against against Nadal. They've never played before, but they they've practiced together a couple of times, and N- Nadal was clearly very impressed with him. He Do doesn't you know where that was. It was here, that. wasn't it? I think they were practicing pre-tournament. Mm. I think. I think I saw yes. videos of that. Yeah, certainly recently that rings a bell. And I think he said they'd practiced once previously as well. Not, I'm not sure when that was. Um, but Nadal doesn't doesn't dish out compliments <laughs> about young players unless he's really he's really impressed by them. Mm. I think just thinking about the matchup, the one thing, well, one of the main things Zverev wasn't able to do was get Sinner moving at all. As you said, Zverev was way behind the baseline and it was Sinner dictating pretty much all the rallies. And I, I just think Nadal will be able to push Sinner off off that middle of the court and get him moving and probably expose that movement. And that's no, that's no real criticism of Sinner. Nadal does that to pretty much everyone. I just think at this stage that that matchup will favour Nadal in a way that it didn't favour Zverev today. Yeah, well, I mean, that's certainly what occurred when I was watching the Anissimova-Halep match the other day. Mm. It was just a different sport when she was on the move. And and I don't feel like I've seen enough of Sinner forced to move much because usually he's just dominating people and just teeing off and he's got them moving, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is I don't really know whether the the trajectory of Nadal's shots and the way they react off the surface will – will enable Sinner to go after it in quite the same way. I, I, I really don't, I don't have any feel for that until I see it. You'll see it in two days, David. Can't wait. <laughs> well, you'll have to, you have to wait two days for it. Uh, do you know, I'm he excited. won't be seeing in two days. Is that? Top seed Simona Halep. 
No. She is out. Straight sets, defeat at the hands of one eager Schwiontek. Who'd have possibly called her? <laughs> Some were very lucky, I would say. Um, Schwiontek was, I mean, I, I've spent all day, I think, that match finished, what, about nine hours ago, and I spent all day trying to think of the words I could use, the superlatives, to try and sum up Schwiontek's performance today and just general brilliance and I, I don't think I have them I really don't I mean I, I it was it was as good a performance as I can remember seeing really it absolutely blew my blew my little mind it, it was just sublime yeah I, I'd go with beguiling riveting uplifting you know, I, after seven minutes, she was three love up and it was all winners. There was a drop shot in there. There were forehands and backhand winners. And again, she, you know, there are some players that I've watched bits of and I've, I remember, obviously I remember she lost in such a harrowing manner to the same player a year ago in, what, 45 minutes or something like that. And I, I think that for a start, that that takes huge mental strength not to walk onto that court with the demons of that match um, and and actually, that's the the reasons I ended up picking her, and I, and the main reason is because I'm so far behind that it was the best chance of me catching up if somehow that came up good. Not anymore, uh, you're not, David. <laughs> but I mean, the 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 reasons that I I went for that say over Gaston against Team, for instance, which we'll come on to later, are the th- things she was saying after her previous round match, which is that. I don't think that that'll happen again because I feel like I know what happened to me. I, aside from Halep being really good, I was really stressed. And I think I've learned now how not to be stressed when I come out there. Um, so I think it'll be different this time. She wasn't sitting there predicting herself to win or anyth- anything that would be kind of out of order for a young teenager to be saying about a great champion. But she was she was confident that she would make a good account of herself. Um, and then the other thing was the players that she'd beaten to, to get to this point, she's won three matches and she's beaten all different types of players. She's beaten a left-hander, Marketa von Drusova. She's beaten Shea Suey. And then she's beaten Eugenie Bouchard, who is just a big ball striker. And she's handled all of them straightforwardly. She's lost 16 games in four matches. I mean, that's staggering, <laughs> isn't it? And, and, and the, the match itself bears that out because Halep wasn't terrible. Mm. Halep was trying. Halep was I reckon that if you got inside Darren Cahill's head while that match was going on, I think Halep did most of the things that he would have asked her to do as she tried to come back. You remember when when he was on the show with us uh, for Tennis Relived when we looked back on the Sloan Stevens final and she was a set and a breakdown in that final and he was he just wanted her to be getting into rallies and making it physical and making it stressful and she was doing that she was getting into these long juice games against Sviantec and the 19 year old still didn't buckle I yeah. think we just relived tennis relived <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say this was Simona Halep on the longest winning streak of her career as as big a favorite in a women's grand slam as we can remember for the last few years playing pretty well and she got taken apart by Sviantec and as you said it wasn't like she was just handing it to her Halep hit two unforced errors in the first set and lost it 6-1 she was being completely dictated to and I did kind of like you I've I've watched quite a lot of Sviantec and I just didn't realize she had this power I knew I knew about the craft I knew about the about the drop shots I knew about the intelligence but the power of this tournament has really taken me aback and Anne Kjothavong was saying on the commentary that uh, her backhand speed in that match was equal to Dominic Team's average for the tournament and that her forehand speed was just a couple of miles an hour short of Yannick Sinner's for the tournament, which has been the highest in the men's draw. Wow. I, I mean, and, and it felt like that. It, you, could, you could feel the power coming through the screen and, and you could feel her pushing Hallett back and back and around the court and... It was it was an utterly extraordinary performance, and 
completely sustained as well because I was just wondering after the first set oh there's there's no way she can keep this up surely this is this is that good and yet she did keep it up and she found new ways to beat Halep because Halep really dug in in that second set and they played a couple of really long games on Halep's serve and Sviontek didn't win the first one and I thought okay that could be a turning point and it just wasn't a turning point because Sviontek just carried on playing this brilliant brilliant tennis and um what you're saying about how she about how she learns from her past performances I, I almost wonder whether she's also learned from other people's performances against Halep at the French Open because I I think back to Amanda Nisimova beating Halep and she and she kind of knocked Halep off the court and I think Ostapenko did the same in that French Open final a few years ago and there was there was more craft and more subtlety to Sviontek with the drop shots, but at its essence, this was a power performance, and it was it was a dominant performance, and yeah, it uh, it really did take my breath away just how good she was. I, I got to the end of that performance, and I just thought, all oh, right, well, you know, she's she's some sort of alien or robot. Then this is not this is not a human woman that I'm watching, and then she went and sat in her chair. And put a towel over her head, and I think had a certainly had a moment. Probably shed some tears. And oh, then she was she, tearful, yeah. And then she went and did her on-court interview, and suddenly looked like a nineteen-year-old, <laughs> and was so unassuming and and shy almost, and so natural and unfiltered. And I and it was all so human. Um, I couldn't believe that was the same person that had just put in this you know, godlike tennis performance. Mm. The contrast was was incredible. Um, no, it was lovely, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, just to mention one of the style points that you picked up on when we were first watching the first set about the late, the late take back of her racket on her ground strokes, which I, I hadn't noticed until you mentioned it. And then when, when they did that sort of ground level camera from behind her and you saw the way she's striking the ball... For a start, I'm thinking, how how is she timing the ball, doing it like that? And secondly, that's impossible to read for an opponent. And uh, it was, it, I can't really think of too many players that I've seen do that before. I think it's really unusual. I mean, I've I've had a fair bit of low level tennis coaching over the years, and one of the most prominent things that is impressed upon me is to take your racket back early, iron the ball, racket back early. Apparently, I would be a far better tennis player if I could only take my racket back <laughs> just a bit earlier. Would I be? <laughs> Apparently, I mean, yes. Every, well, everything I've seen today has contradicted all of that. Um, but yeah, it must just take... Ridic- I, I don't think you would ever coach that. It, mu- it must just take ridiculous timing and and natural talent because she's extraordinary. I mean, it was like... When she was hitting that forehand, it was like she was channeling Fernando Gonzalez. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It, it was ridiculous. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. 
Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Shriontek now plays Martina Trev. Trevisan and I say that I should sound more confident when saying that because we have had a letter a note a some sort of digital communication from an Italian listener called Francesco and I hope I've pronounced that correctly at least um, and Francesco is off- offering some desperately needed help Uh, He says, dear friends, I'm a devoted, most enthusiastic and grateful listener. Don't miss a beat of your podcast. I'm listening to your most recent one at 3am. It's not that important in the grand scheme and current circumstances, but as a native Italian and given the unprecedented success of our is Yuri. Now he's put Italian words in that I don't know how to, to how to pronounce. Azuri, <laughs> uh, I feel you can do it with some. I feel you can do with some advice on Italian name pronunciation. Gosh, you do get them mostly wrong, except the most difficult Cecchinato. Uh, so here we go. It is Trevisan. Oh God, I did get it wrong before. Trevisan, not Trevisan. Sonigo. And not Sonego. Luckily, he's lost today, so don't have to worry about that for a while. <laughs> Stefano and not Stefano. Uh, and he says, P.S. You should air my co- comment and dare pronounce my last name. Why am I reading this bit out? I'm stitching myself right up. It is Colucci, as in Bertolucci, Bonucci, etc. I've probably butchered all of that. Hope you don't mind me nagging you and sending you much tennis love. Yours, Francesco. We don't mind at all, Francesco, and we are very grateful Indeed. So Trevisan, Martina Trevisan, a qualifier from Italy, will be Iga Sviontek's French Open quarterfinal opponent. Because Trevis- Tre- Tre- <laughs> Tre- Trevisan beat Kiki Buttons today. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. By the way, are we all right with Yannick Sinner? Is he all right? Is that correct? Well, isn't Yannick Sinner? Isn't Yannick Sinner's first language not Italy? He's from that region of Italy in the yes. Alps, where I think German in his, is his first yes, language. He is an Italian right. speaker, but there's yeah. this little—it's um, got a name. That little area of Italy in the north, in the Alps. Mm. Now, now I'm with you. Um, um, so yes. we're going to go with Yannick Sinner. Well, wasn't and Trevisan? Wasn't she wonderful? today again again i mean you you told her full story the other day catherine on the podcast about her battle with anorexia and and do read molly mckelvey's piece in the telegraph if if you want to read that story it's it's an incredible read really and her story's just i find it's 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 heartbreaking but it's so uplifting to see the fact that she's come through it and we obviously had marion bartley on on the podcast with us in january and and detailing her experience of of that awful illness and to see a player as a teenager that would have gone through that and come out and play like this and just start going through the rounds you know and beating really really tough players when she's never been in this sort of company before she's beating coco goff and then backing that up and beating maria sakari and then today kiki burton's who after her 6262 win of the other day i thought really could be a contender for the title um and i watched the end of it and that that i only caught the last bit and there's this it's, she's, it's an empty stadium and you see kiki burton's hit this perfect slice backhand approach and this lob go up from Trevisan, and it just sails over Burton's head and time feels like it's stopped or slowed down. And then suddenly it just lands plumb on the line and she dropped her racket to the ground and the look on her face. Uh, There's been a few of these moments this fortnight where I think that's going to stay with me. And whenever I see that player, I'm going to think of that moment, that look on her face. And um, she gave the best interview afterwards on court. And I just love seeing what it means to these players who've never never had this before. And 
and it's just the making of their worlds in a sporting context and, and good for her. Yeah, it it means that, and this is via Raul Ruberti. I need to stop finding Italian names to pronounce, don't I, uh, on Twitter. Uh, it means that Italy have a player in the quarterfinals of both the men's and women's signal, singles at a major for just the second time in the open era with Sinner and Trevisan. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? They've had they've had multiple players, you know, lopsidedly on on the women's or or the uh, the men's, but not across both. They really are having uh, having a good old time. Uh, the Italians um, in tennis at the moment. Just to just to wrap up that side of things before we get on to the Dominic team Ugo Gaston match, which is desperately awaiting being discussed. Um, we've also had another player ranked outside the world's top 130 and another qualifier make it through to the quarterfinals. Genuinely somebody I I honestly had never heard of before this fortnight. Nadia Podoroska of Argentina. She'd never won a Grand Slam main draw match before this week. She is the world number 131. Uh, she's the first Argentinian woman to reach the last eight in Paris since Paula Suarez reached the semi-finals in 2004, and she was ranked number 255 at the start of this season. Um, she faces she uh, she beat uh, Barbara Kudrykova today, and she now faces Alina Svitolina. Who this was probably the only damp squib of the day, really. She she beat Caroline Garcia very very handily today. She's the top seed remaining now, number three. And I'm going to jinx her that she's never going to get an opportunity like this to win a slam, surely, Svitolina. Mm, it, it really does feel like, if not now, when for her. Um, and just and just in general, this was, well, I think we should probably mention Garbini Muguruza losing last night as well yeah. while we were podcasting. That's a very, very significant result in this women's draw. And that was a, that was slightly slightly perplexing how that unfolded. I, th- I thought she was kind of cruising in that third set. She was certainly up three, love. I don't know whether it was a double break or a single break, but suddenly it was. she just kind of collapsed and not sort of dramatically, but just stopped being able to play particularly well. And Collins, to her credit, just kept plugging away and kept teeing off on a lot of returns. And Collins is a player who I who I would back to grab an opportunity when it presents itself, and and she really did. Uh, but what it means is that this this women's draw in the last twenty four hours has completely completely opened up, and it means that we're guaranteed a first time Grand Slam finalist from the top half. All the players we've been discussing just now, and Svitolina is obviously the most experienced out of them and the highest ranked. And then from the bottom half, we're guaranteed someone who's never been in a French Open final. We've got Kenin and Petra Kvitova who have won slams, but these tournaments often feel a little bit like a free-for-all. There's often a favourite, but now I just feel like there's absolutely no favourite whatsoever. Svitolina on paper probably is, given her seeding and her experience, but I don't know, I'm looking at that match between Trevisan and Sviontek and thinking that both of those players are either playing really incredible tennis or really inspired tennis. And I think both of those are going to be incredibly tough for Svitolina to beat as well. And Podoroska, as you said, has just done so much winning. I think she's won over 40 matches this year, if you count really? in all the levels. Mm. And, you know, that's a, that's, wow. a, that, that's a year with five months of no tennis. She's just won so many matches. So I think you can build up that confidence. And, um, yeah, she's yeah, pretty much really, halved, halved her ranking mm. uh, in a year with <laughs> when. Most of it she spent at home. Bookmakers have got Sviontek as the favourite now, which um, really? I mean, look, I Yikes. you know, I'm, I, I am, I was shocked by that. And yet, when you think about who's remaining, I would have thought that Svitolina was the favourite. But the way she beat Halep, and the way, and like I say, the way she's beaten everybody, mm. and these are all different types of player. Now she may have a a big dip in form. She may reach a Grand Slam quarterfinal stage and just not be able to play. There's there's lots of things that can still happen. But in terms of being equipped, she's equipped. I was talking about Petra Kvitova. Oh if, it en- if it ends up being an indoor 
indoor tournament in the second week, surely. I completely <laughs> forgotten about Petra Kvitova. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have. She beat Fernandes, didn't she? Yes, seventh seed, so second highest seed remaining. One of only two players that have that have won a slam remaining in the draw. I, th- I think Kenin seeded just above, no? Oh, sorry. So she's third highest seed remaining. But only she and Kenin have, mm. have won a slam before. And she she loves she loves indoor clay. Um, yeah, she loves indoor anything. <laughs> yeah, so got to be in the conversation. We've got to remember her to to put her in the conversation. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, we'll try, we'll try, folks. Feels, that's, um, that's it. It feels like everyone's in the conversation suddenly. I think I, I'm I'm loving it. I'm mm. absolutely. Lo- I mean, I don't know what this does for TV figures without certain big names and all this sort of thing. But honestly, I am buzzing about all of it, all these new players. And they're all there's so many different types and different personalities and different game styles. And they all deserve where they are. And it's just – I love the fact that they've all come out the blue all together after lockdown. It feels like one good news story after this god-awful six months. I'm just really enjoying it. How, David, can you have this much energy left after watching all five sets of Dominic Team versus Hugo Gaston? One well, just about by Team 6464573663. How, how um, have you got anything left in the tank? How are you so well, giddy? Gaston has given me adrenaline as well. <laughs> I feel giddy about Gaston. That feels like a song. <laughs> that um, could be a song from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just another one who who makes you just feel happy to watch the way he's going about taking on one of the best players on the planet right now. I mean, I, I know that Dominic Team is is struggling a bit physically now. Inevitably, the fatigue has hit him. And it was quite interesting watching that match and seeing the first two sets go 6-4-6-4 to team. And I did kind of think he's just sort of getting the job done here, and he's hoping, a bit like he did against Kasper Ruud and and against Jack Sock, that he can just efficiently get this job done in straight sets. But what impressed me probably more than anything, and there was so much to like about Gaston's kind of swashbuckling tennis, I loved the fact that he just didn't go away, that he got into that third set and I think Matt you were the one who really alerted me with with something you tweeted on the tennis podcast account about how he's just sticking in and bringing it to team in this third set I still thought it'd be straight sets even then and the fact that he won that set and then he then he raced off to him to a 4-1 lead and he hit what 50 drop shots in the match is that Mm -hmm. right yeah 50 I thought that was a I thought that was a typo (laughs) I I mean I, my eyes are watching these drop shots, and I, and I I am mesmerized by it all, and I, and I'm also thinking, God, I would just be going spare if I was team right now, but to see it written down fifty, that's unheard of. I, I don't think he had the energy to go spare. He was too busy running. <laughs> Is there a touch of the Marcelo Rios about Gaston in terms of the hands he's got? I mean, obviously Marcelo yeah. Rios comes with this sort of personality shall we say <laughs> that gaston doesn't bring to the court a, hang on and by, by extension a touch of the matt roberts <laughs> yes i'd forgotten about that comparison thank you <laughs> got tickets on yourself haven't you um i mean uh, there was a bit of Henri leconte as well i felt right. in the kind of the way he went about it but but i mean there were a couple of points just to pick out that were clipped up the one where he hit this moon ball landed it on the mm. baseline that team had to sort of scurry back to to get back and he hits a perfectly decent shot and the next shot is gaston has decided he's going to go for an outright bullet winner off the next shot whatever he's presented with <laughs> and he just steps up and just leathers it on the half volley for a clean winner down the line with the left-handed forehand and um yeah the the there was for a guy who's only just turned 20 his his lack of fear and his knowledge of the game, they're the, just that instinctive knowledge of the game. We sometimes, I sometimes think that when I watch Kyrgios at his best, there's a, there's a, just knows how to play. Some players, it's not, it's not about premeditated patterns. He just knows what to do, mm. and it's, uh, it was magical to watch. I think Bianca Andreescu is another one, and and I've seen her use that 
that moon ball tactic followed by just coming in and leathering the next shot to kind of surprise or shock the opponent. And uh, yeah, I was I was really pleased that he backed up the win over Wawrinka by performing like this. And I, I just hope we see more of him. I, I, I really hope he does build on this. And And he said, you know, the reality is now back to the Challenger Tour, you know, because his ranking will not have... Wow will not have risen enough and that is you know he's he's embraced this stage but it's it's such a grind on that on that tour just and especially at the moment trying to increase your ranking when points are not falling off it's it's a difficult time i think to be making your breakthrough unless you make a big enough one to have a massive jump which he hasn't quite um but yeah it was really fitting they had fabrice santoro commentating on that match and there's a there's a little bit of him about about gaston in terms of the touch and the drop shots and Kind of making the most of his size, and uh, yeah, he was he was incredibly incredibly uplifting. And I think some some team quotes that he gave at the right at the start of the tournament are really proving pertinent now. Saying, "Look, I'm I'm kind of on a wave from New York. I'm I'm very happy. I'm pleased, obviously, but there probably will come a point where I get really really tired in this tournament. And I don't know whether he was talking physically or mentally, emotionally, or just kind of combination of the three and it almost felt like that point came as you said David in that third set where he suddenly just seemed drained of energy and quite weary on the court and I mean, he's got Diego Schwartzman next and Schwartzman is playing out of his mind at the moment he's another one who hasn't hasn't dropped a set this tournament carried it on from Rome he's beaten team on clay before I'd kind of already penciled team Nadal in but I'm I'm starting to think that Schwartzman is a really, really big hurdle for Dominic Team. He's not who you want to play if you're not feeling physically quite there. And as as we saw today with Team, he doesn't know, and I love this about him, he doesn't know any other way than to just keep belting the ball harder and harder. You know, the, the more against the ropes he was, the more unable to hit winners he was. And it must he must have he must have felt like Superman on kryptonite, belting the ball and them not landing for winners, partly because of what Gaston was doing and partly because of those heavy, heavy conditions they were playing late in the day. It was heavy on Chetre and what were usually winners or close to winners were just kind of sitting up for for Gaston, but he just kept belting it. And that it's took so it looked like it took so much out of him that combined with all the mini sprints he was having to do mm. the the explosive power required to chase down all those drop shots it was quite alarming actually seeing someone of team's physical prowess looking that <laughs> ragged at the end mm. of the match and he did he paid beautiful tribute to to Gaston he said I haven't seen for a very long time a player with such touch in his hands his drop shots are from another planet if he continues like this he's going to be a huge huge player and make a lot of joy in this stadium in the future which I thought was lovely it's so warm he, he's actually very good post-match uh, because he's also he doesn't hide he doesn't pretend it's not happening to him that he isn't suffering from fatigue but he's also really rich with his praise for an opponent like that and actually i think he he got a buzz out of it himself even though as close to defeat as he was and it may affect him adversely for for future rounds but he accepted what the guy threw at him uh, and had respect for it and i have respect for team that he still found a way to win because when he when he in those last two games he found even another gear and he and i'd with the ball striking because he did start to hit winners and it felt impossible to hit the ball any harder and it was almost like he just opened up that cabinet that's that's got the red button in that you should you really shouldn't press unless um <laughs> unless it's desperate because either you're going to self-destruct and there's going to be unforced errors galore or you're going to turbo boost and you're going to get to the finish line and that's what he ended up doing has anybody else got no one slick as Gaston, no one's quick as Gaston? <laughs> Has anyone else got that in their head? We have now. No. Yes. <laughs> I have now, read that in yeah. a few tweets from people oh, now. Oh, really? Is it not original? Days. Oh, forget but I said it. Nobody sung it, Catherine. <sighs> so now we have, you know, you've, you've beaten, beaten everybody. You're welcome. 
tomorrow's order of play, folks. And David will be back in uh, commentary on Five Live Sports Extra for this. Uh, Petra Kvitova against Zhang Shui is first up on Chatrier. Then it's Grigor Dimitrov against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Then Djokovic against Hachinov. Uh, that would that's the only uh, as pointed out by Matt on Twitter that's the only projected quarter final on seedings in either the men's or women's draw that has ended up happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, whenever I do those tweets, there's always someone replying. Well, these aren't going to happen. What's the point of doing this? And uh, fair point. This has got to be about the most extreme version. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, uh, and then Fiona Farrow against Sophia Kennan. Uh, which could be very interesting indeed. Three matches oh, on long length. Well, you can. On? You can get paid to watch it, David. When's it on? <laughs> it's last on Chatrier. Oh, I'm definitely watching that. And then Fuchovic and Rublev first on long length. Then Jabur against Collins. I'm very much up for that one. Uh, and then Karenia Buster against my man Daniel Altmaier. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, oh, yeah remember when he tournament. was a thing. Uh, Laura Siegmund against Paola Bedosa is the first match on Samomatur, and that's all eight singles matches. You've got Kuzmova uh, in uh, doubles action with the woman that beat her in the singles, the bad Pliskova. Um, <laughs> she was so impressed by what she saw. She said, <laughs> she can thought, we team up? <laughs> Um, that's a third round. They're the 13th seeds, Matt. You've not been talking about that at all. You've moved on. Yes. Former Easy. US Open doubles semi-finalist. I, I shouldn't have to remind anyone of that, but I feel like I do have to remind people. <laughs> well said, Matt. Um, are we you, stay, ha- you stay loyal. Are we going to have any upsets tomorrow? What even counts as an upset anymore? That's the thing, isn't it? Because Sinner over Zverev, it did feel oddly... Predictable. Not to I mean, Matt. Well, <laughs> I'm he in a rut. I wasn't got... going to mention it. <laughs> I, I've caught David's terrible predictions bug, and I'm on a I'm on a run of four straight days getting it wrong. I might I might outsource some help. No, you won't. <laughs> You're going to have to live with what you've got. I, I'm I'm on three three right in four days, and I'm coming up strong on the rails. So, what's going to happen tomorrow then, old uh, Mystic David? Any upsets? I, you know, I don't. I don't know. Zhang Shui, Petrokovitova, Sitsipas, Dimitrov. No, Ferro. Ferro surpri- could I th- beat Kennan. Yeah, hmm. I think that could be a cracking match. Kennan's starting to play now, though. I, I would probably think Kennan would win that. Um, the uh, the the other one, Sitsipas, Dimitrov. I think Sitsipas is now clicked into gear and will probably have too much for him. But I think. Grigor is still good enough to to make a real good match of that. Um, be interesting. Um, and then the the Djokovic Hachinov, I I would still expect Djokovic to win that relatively straightforwardly. Mm, Matt, do you see any upsets? There's I don't no know what I'm point asking me you. predicting the, anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> right then, should we call it a day? Shall but I mention get your newsletter because we are going to be uh, we yes. are going to be predicting. Do stuff. sign up for the um, newsletter. Matt's stats are amazing that's what was where your one you can today, find matt? any and all cam content that comes in what was your stat today matt uh it was that daniel altmeyer has more top 10 wins at grand slams than alexander zverev one versus zero and that is going to remain true for at least another f- five months it's amazing really i i was totally stopped in my tracks when i read that one Zverev is 0 for 8, I believe, against top 10 players in slams. And he got to a final. Bad day for Zverev. We'll keep you posted on that situation. Thank you, Cam, for being our lovely mascot. I hope you're enjoying the tennis, Cam. Uh, There was a lot to enjoy today. Um, And your lovely humans as well. But Cam, it's most important that Cam enjoys the tennis. Um, And we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, leave us an iTunes review, enjoy the podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.